Welcome to Publishing Gribble, the podcast that breaks the rules and helps you kickstart your career as a successful nonfiction author and entrepreneur. I'm your host, Melina Benson. Welcome back to another episode of Publishing Rebel. Today, we're going to take an unusual route and talk about memoirs with a bigger purpose. My guest is Gillian Abbey, who is, in her own words, a perfectionist woman coming out later in life. She's also known as Queer Abbey. Jill's book, Perfectly Queer, Facing Big Fears, Living Hard Truths, and Loving Myself Fully Out of the Closet, hit number one on Amazon's LGBTQ memoirs list and made Good Morning America's list of 15 fabulous spring reads. Welcome to the show, Jill. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me today. Yeah, I'm happy to have you here too. I've been looking forward to this. So Jill, you're a, you're a solopreneur. So to give a little bit more context uh, for this conversation, please tell us a little bit about your business and what you're trying to build with it. Sure. Well, I've always been interested in entrepreneurship ever since I was a little kid and I started a business sewing winter hats. Into adulthood, I started as a certified public accountant auditing financial statements of companies and realized this isn't for me. I need to be my own boss. Me so I became- too. I yeah. started that too. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, I guess that's like the breeding ground for entrepreneurs. Like, get me out of here. No yeah. more auditing. So yeah. I took the turn that nobody saw coming and became a licensed massage therapist and realized that that was a great way that I could run my own business and use my business experience, but also learn something completely new that I really felt drawn towards. From there down the road, you know, life takes its paths. Uh, My spouse and I had children and we decided that we wanted to open a craft beer bar because uh, I'm based in Florida and the craft beer scene was blowing up here. And so we decided to go into that avenue. And then, as you mentioned with my book, I came out later in life. I was 38 years old at the time. And as part of our separation process, and so that we could peacefully co-parent, we decided not to run that craft beer business together. So he took over ownership of the bar and I said, okay, well, I'll figure this out. And writing is something I've always loved, that I've always had a passion for. I imagine many of your listeners were also little kids like me that thought it would be really cool to be an author when they grew up. I've always loved storytelling. I've always loved reading. And so over the years, I kind of had this side business of writing for businesses, whether they needed a label for their kombucha bottles or they needed a sales sheet for their LED light bulbs. Whatever businesses needed, I wrote it for them. And I realized that I had a knack for putting myself in the shoes or in the position of a lot of different types of industries and a lot of different types of customer lifestyles and had a knack for writing what the business needed to say in a way that the customer needed to hear it. And so from there, I launched my business, which is Storyteller Soul LLC. I've never advertised. I don't have a website for it. Um, It's always been through word of mouth. And actually, most of the writing that I'm doing now are for large multinational corporations and their leaders who want to bring more humanity and storytelling 
and tie that to their mission and their vision in their business. So some call me a, a Jill of all trades because I've done a whole lot of different things, but I really feel like my twisty turny path has all led to becoming a professional storyteller. Yeah. And if you look if like five years ahead, where do you want to take the business? Well, I definitely want to release another book. And for anyone who has thought that maybe they want to be an author after going through the process, I, I can't recommend it more. There's, I mean, I have kids and I'm proud of my kids and I, you know, I've done things in life that I'm proud of, but there's something about releasing a book that is just such an incredible experience. And now I want to do it again because I'm hooked. So yeah. I hope that within five years, I have at least one more book. I also pitched a script for a movie, for a screenplay. And, and really, I want to keep continue diving into and evolving the storytelling journey and helping other people tell their stories as well. Because there's yeah. some people who have great ideas, but when it comes to putting the words to paper, that's where they struggle. So to be able to support people in that. Yeah. So it's not going to be a queer business. It's not going to be that. That's a, that's not the content of the business. That's right. just your story. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. yeah. So I've kind of taken, there's two branches to the tree. And as you mentioned, my website is queerabby.com. Yeah. I realized when I came out that people had a lot of questions and there weren't a lot of places where they could ask questions without fear of saying the wrong thing or being judged. They just wanted honest answers and it wasn't coming from a bad place. And so I launched my website as a space where people could ask questions and I could provide answers. And so really that's more of my passion project of just yeah. creating more understanding with the LGBTQ plus community. Yeah. Um, and it tied in very well with my book of perfectly queer and helped me build kind of an audience of people who wanted my more fun, humoristic writing. But yeah, so it's, you know, I, like I say, I, I always have to be doing multiple projects. I don't, I don't know that I could be laser focused on any one thing. So Queer Abbey is really like my passion project and what I do for fun. Yeah. Okay. So when we first connected, you said that you are an uh, accidental author who has <laughs> been making up your own path. What do you mean by that? So again, I've always wanted to be an author but I really didn't know how I would get there. And I created every barrier possible in my mind of why I couldn't be an author or why I wasn't, why I couldn't release a memoir. Um, and I think there's a lot of people in the genre of memoir who run into barriers of, am I allowed to tell my story? Well, this person has a similar story. Why do I get to tell mine? And so when I started writing, there wasn't ever the intention or end goal of having a book. I wrote because my life seems stranger than fiction. And I was like, I want to write this down so that I can come <laughs> back to it and say, wow, did that really, you really went through that. That really happened. But in the process, I ended up joining a writer support group for women and sharing my work. And the majority of the women in the group were married heterosexual women. And so I thought, oh, they're going to have no interest in my coming out story. And that wasn't the case. Again, that was a story I was telling myself. That was a barrier I was putting in place that there are only 32 women across the United States of America who would be interested in hearing my story and nobody else. And that wasn't the truth. So they gave me a lot of support and encouragement. They said, we love your writing style. We want to hear more. 
fast forward a little bit, I joined Hay House Publishing has a writer's community. They have a contest that you can enter. I wasn't going to enter the contest because my business, my book proposal was not good enough. Again, perfectionist. (laughs) And my life coach said, if you don't enter, you're going to make the biggest mistake of your life. So for 48 hours, I locked myself in a room. I put the kids on their screens and I typed fast and furiously to knock out a book proposal. And I was astonished two months later when the CEO, Reed Tracy, called me on the phone and said, you won. Oh my goodness. Yes. And I said, won what? Because I I (laughs) couldn't believe in my mind that my book was going to be part of their library because I didn't see a space on the shelf for my type of story. They didn't do a lot of memoirs and they didn't have any LGBTQ subject matter books. And what I didn't realize is that they were creating the space on the shelf for me. Yeah. Um, So So I just want to say to the listeners, if there are anyone that belongs to that community that feel like writing their story, I can, I can tell you from a more analytical point of view, this, there's a huge market for this type of book. And we need those stories. We need to, we all need to have a more, a diverse outlook, uh, how we even perceive people around us uh, in, in all the world around us, even. Definitely. Uh, yeah, there's a huge, this is a hot, hot topic. Also in all of the big corporations, they don't understand how to deal with these problems. Mm-hmm. So you're definitely hitting a trend. Uh, so if anyone listening to this uh I feel like that I, I I could also write my story like that. Go ahead and do that because uh, that we, we need those stories. Definitely. And I'm glad you mentioned that too, because one other obstacle that came up as I was, and this was a little bit further on in the journey, once I knew my book would be published and I started promoting more about what my story was about, one of the first things that a lot of people came back with was, oh, like Glennon Doyle's Untamed. And it seemed like because there was already an American woman who came out later in life as a lesbian and was a writer that people seemed to think like, oh, no, we filled that niche. Like we can't have it. We can't have another book like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. That's just so wrong, because really, uh, why the heck would you want to write a book into a niche where nobody is buying books? So we want we want only to write to categories where people are selling books sure <laughs> so so that there are other people who also wrote books on similar topics uh, you, the author's job is to make it different uh, right. not to avoid that spot that is right. obviously profitable <laughs> right and the thing is there are similarities between Glennon Doyle's story and my story but I think we could find similarities in any story of any person on earth, if you look hard enough. Yeah. So it really was about me telling my story doesn't mean that the next queer woman can't release her story as well. Or what, you know, there's, there are so many unique differences that we really do need more perspective and different things. Yeah. Um, But also I think it is a little unique to the queer community in that, you know, we have so many books out there memoirs from athletes and it's not like an athlete puts out a book and they're like oh well this other athlete already wrote a book why are you trying to tell your story so yeah. i do feel like it's been um 
and it could just, again, it could be the, the politics of where I'm located, but I feel like there were a lot of people trying to put a lid on queer stories right now to discourage them from being told. So I'm so, I'm really excited that you mentioned the fact that this is an area where we need more stories. You know what? I have a general philosophy in my life that uh, I'm going to be me. I'm going to speak my truth. And those people who can relate to that and who will love me for that, those are my people. Those who have a problem with me being me, not my people. (laughs) Right, exactly. (laughs) They're not my people. So people who feel they're surrounded by people who will judge them, uh, first of all, they probably won't. But if they do, not your people, guys. Right. <laughs> and sometimes you just need to do it anyways. Like this story yes. has always been a passion. Yeah. I shouldn't say the story has always been a passion of mine, but telling my story and being a storyteller has always been my passion. Yeah. And I had to give myself permission to do that and move forward with it. Yeah. Yeah. So good. So, uh, Perfectly Queer is, you say that it's not about coming out, but about coming becoming alive. What do you mean by that? So it is a coming out story at a high level. Obviously, it's got a rainbow cover. It has queer in the title. But what a friend pointed out to me, who is not part of the LGBTQ community, is that she said the tagline of um, facing big fears living hard truths and loving myself fully. She said, if you cut off out of the closet, that fits so many people's stories. Like we've all gone through that. And I think for me as a perfectionist and as a people pleaser, I tried, it's my story of trying to build up the life that everyone else around me It's that it seemed like they wanted me to have. And in that process of becoming what everyone else wanted, I lost myself. And I feel like there are a lot of people as they reach midlife, especially who start to look at things and say, okay, I got the degree. I got the job. I got married. I started the family, whatever, the whole laundry list of everything we're supposed to do to have a happy, perfect life. And then people get to that point and say, why does this still feel empty? Why is this not lighting me up inside anymore? And so this was really my journey to fall in love with myself and to fall in love with life again. And being queer just happened to be my piece in doing that. For somebody else, it may be something completely different, you know, exploring their own me, To me, it was a, I have have had a similar process Mm -hmm. and it was a, you said that uh, that people have to go through. I think we should appreciate that we are old enough that we can go through it, uh, go through that process. And to me, it uh, I was a director in an insurance company. Uh, I was an MBA. I had the free kids, the house, the summer house, all of that. And something just shifted in me. To me, I call, I labeled it my inner gypsy. Love it. <laughs> There are not a lot of room for gypsies in a corporate environment. (laughs) And I felt I need need to leave myself at home all the time. So Mm -hmm. I gave myself permission to live a more riskier life. I changed everything up and to live a riskier life. So so that was my journey. And and I think you're complete. You're you're right that this message 
really relates to a lot of people. Yeah. Um, but 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 I also I, I'm I'm so glad that we now have uh, examples of stories where it's within um, the LGBTQ community uh, that's relevant to them because I, I think there's a there's a lot more identity uh, crises there uh, happening. Yeah, I think the conversation has expanded in a really beautiful, but also challenging way because it's evolving faster than we have the language to talk about it. But people are realizing that, you know, maybe there aren't these very narrow boxes that we've always been told there are in life and are able to connect with each other more and say, oh, I, I've always felt this. And I always felt that was the strangest thing about me, but then they can find another person out there who also feels the same way. And I think just even being able to locate ourselves in society, in the world and see another person and say, okay, I'm not the only one. I'm not alone here is so important. So I'm glad that more stories in the LGBTQ community are being told um, because it, for me, the biggest struggle was feeling like I was the only one. I have a chapter in the book where I talk about that at the time that I came out, I was convinced that Sir Elton John was the only other person on this earth who had been in a heterosexual marriage and then came out and was, was the most clearly comfortably gay person out there. And so I used to just say, okay, even Elton John married a woman, even Elton John married a woman, because in my head, and I don't know why I didn't use Google. I could have found more people that way, but in my mind, it was like, me and Sir Elton were the only two people who were going through the struggle together. So I really, and I know that sounds absolutely ridiculous, but you know, we're not always in the, the best headspace when we're going through hard things in life. So I was glad to release my book. And I've been so delighted to hear from people who can see themselves in the story. Yeah. So, but you're also, this, this also relates to the fact that uh, this type of book, uh, um, but but even also for more, more like business like books, uh, one of the key benefits of writing a book is getting that clarity. Yes. There's a process you grow from writing a book. Uh, sometimes people who write business books or more like how to books, they already have a very developed concept and they can just crack that out that book out. Uh, but quite often. Uh, People get more clear on who they are, what their role is, what they want with their business. There are there's just so many side effects of writing a book that people are not aware of. We should put a warning label on there. Here are the side effects of writing. You are going to learn so much more about yourself than you ever have before. You're going to challenge your own thoughts yeah. and beliefs because you have to stand behind them. Yeah. So when you have to do that, you really have to be clear on what you believe and why you believe it and where you stand and, and then allow that to change too, if it needs to. But um, yeah, I love that. And I love that there are a lot of business books now that are taking these business concepts, but also weaving in their personal stories, because I feel like that's really what adds magic and depth to the story is attaching the person behind the marketing framework or the business. Yes. 
So we already talked a little bit about how your book got its wings <laughs> and reached those very impressive uh, positions. Um, but you told me you started with zero platform, that you didn't do a book tour, and that, well, uh, in your own words, that you're anything but a conventional author. Yes, so- I don't think I'm anything conventional in any way, in some ways. I mean, my whole life path is like, well, that's a little strange. And so I thought it would be really out of character for me to try and follow the traditional author promotional path. And also, I am a huge introvert. So the thought of putting myself out there over and over again, like book events, stress me out to no end. And so when I'm stressed out, I'm not going to be in my best character in my best form. And so I said, okay, what is the most Jillian Abbey way we could do this? Podcasts are one. I absolutely love doing podcasts. It It's such an intimate conversation and a real conversation that we can have. Um, another thing I love is public speaking. And so I've been able to speak on everything from telling your inclusive brand stories to businesses uh, to, you know, being a speaker for pride month events for June and helping businesses and employees understand even the basics of what is pride in the LGBTQ community. So I've gone through things a little bit of an unconventional way, but a way that feels honest. And why do, and tr- why do you, why do you feel there's a difference between a book event and public speaking? Uh, it's the direction of the conversation. So I feel like in book events, there's a lot of there, I don't know, I guess more small talk is really what it boils down to. There's a <laughs> lot of um, talking with a bunch of people and that in all honesty feels incredibly overwhelming to me. Yeah. Whereas podcasting, you know, it's a conversation between the two of us. When I'm giving a speech, that is one directional. TikTok, one directional. Um, and then I can read the comments. Um, it's really just for me and my processing, the area that I feel more comfortable in. But you also mentioned, so I did, my book did make Good Morning America's list of 15 spring reads. And that was a total shock to me. And that even came about in an unexpected way. I was listening to other podcasts and I heard this woman, Zibby Owens on a podcast and I really liked her. I liked her personality. She was a mom as well. She had just released her memoir. So I looked her up on Instagram and having no idea, again, why I don't Google things, I don't know. I didn't bother to look into who Zibby was. And so I just shot her a note on Instagram and I said, hey, Zibby, I noticed you have your own podcast. I feel like we have a lot in common. I'm kind of small potatoes. I'm a brand new author. Nobody knows who I am, but I would love to chat if you want to talk about my book. And amazingly, she wrote back and she's like, I like the way you write. Because I think it was just a very candid, real message that I sent her and not some crafted business sounding message. And so she said, I like the way you write. Yeah, let's talk. Well, I didn't realize that she is one of the biggest book influencers that we have not only in New York city, New York state area, but now she's becoming one of the biggest influencers of the book industry in the United States. And she's the contributing writer for good morning America as well. Yeah. 
And so we recorded our podcast and it was lovely. We had a great conversation. So you did, not, you did not know that when you reached out to her? I had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> and these are, this is why I say I'm kind of an accidental author and I follow an unconventional path because I just keep following what feels good to me. Yeah. And I think sometimes we should just do random shit. <laughs> right. Exactly. And that's the thing. The no, biggest thing. Yeah. <laughs> right. The biggest thing I had to get over was just the fear of asking. And I'm like, what is the worst she could say? I reach out and she says, no, I don't want to talk. Like yeah. you're not a good fit for me. I didn't realize shortly thereafter, like Alicia Keys was on her podcast. Jill Biden was on her podcast. I mean, like, Why did you talk to me after the fact? I started freaking out. But had I known all that, I would have never reached out to her. I would have thought, oh, no, that's shooting for the moon. There's no way that she would talk to you. And now, you know, we've sent emails back and forth on occasion just to check in. And um, I think there's so much. And this is the other thing to mention. I don't know that the Good Morning America listing actually did much for my book sales. Um, There's some things that really seem to help. And then there's some where it's like, what I think came out of the good morning America listing was just validity for the book. Yeah. Um, that people looked at and say, Oh, okay. This wasn't just Jill hacking away at a keyboard, trying to write words. Like other people are appreciating the story as well. And so that gave me a lot of, if nothing else, visibility. Yeah. Um, oh, what a great story. What a yeah. great story. Love it. Love so it. yeah, What? sometimes we just have to do the random stuff. I don't know. Exactly. And you mentioned also TikTok. How do you use TikTok? Ooh, so I was of the crowd that said, well, I'm too old for TikTok. I'm not going on TikTok. I don't have any dance moves. Um, and it was actually in a Zoom webinar that I was listening to from Reed Tracy, the CEO of Hay House Publishing. And he had mentioned that TikTok is because of their algorithm and how specific it is. It's a great way to niche down and connect with your audience. And so I decided to just start posting very short form videos about my coming out experience and different things I was going through, things that I thought were kind of strange, but then other people again would say like, oh, me too. Like there's a concept called delayed adolescence that I talk about in the book. And it's basically going back to your feelings of your teenage years, maybe those teenage emotions you should have had, but you didn't have. And now you're having them as a 40 year old. Um, so the concept, you know, talking about things like, okay, why did I just buy these terrible leather pants? And I want to pierce everything on my face and change my hair color. I don't know, but I found common bonds with people on TikTok, And that has again, been another great way to connect with my audience very directly. And, and then they spread the word of my book on there. Once the book came out, they read it, they tag me in it. And that's really helping promote the book as well. And it cost me nothing. Yeah. Yeah. So how much, of, how much of an audience do you have on, on, did you have on TikTok before the book came out? Um, More when I, when my book was uh, going to be published when I found out that it had been selected. I had 400 people on TikTok, maybe. Yeah. Um, so now the number is up to 17,000, which is yeah. good. It's still not in, you know, I mean, there are some people who are crushing it on the TikTok platform. It is one of those things where, again, I go in waves of, I love doing it. I love connecting. And then at the same time, 
I do burn out on it and have to step away and take a break and then I'll come back to it. Yeah. Um, again, to also being part of the LGBTQ community, you know, there are a lot of people who it doesn't matter what I post that it's a platform for them to hate or share their hate. And so that's one thing that I've had to be protective of myself as well. And that's why I do, you know, as much as sometimes we want to go, 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 you have to keep promoting and marketing and promoting and marketing. It was really starting to take a toll on me mentally, emotionally, and then eventually physically as well. And so I had to draw some boundaries of, okay, I, I need to take care of myself now again, so I can show up as the best version of myself. And so, yeah, I think that's really, I think I think people it's it's difficult to get used to those kind of comments. Yeah. But if we look at it from a technical point of view, they comment. <laughs> so they right. help the algorithm understand this is something people like to discuss. Oh, so they sure do. Says, Thank you for helping me reaching more people with your comment. Right. Yeah. And the thing one. is too, like <laughs> that in some ways it does develop an even more loyal follower base. And then for anyone who just, when it comes to the LGBTQ for people who are like, Oh, I don't really, you know, I heard a lot of people say like, it's not that bad. Everything's equal. Now we have marriage equality. Like, what are you yeah. complaining about? Yeah. And when those comments come up, then they realize that, no, we still do have issues. We still have a lot of people who don't understand. And yeah, So it just furthers more conversation, but to say that it doesn't also personally affect me, um, would be untrue. And so I've, I've done a lot of therapy also to try and get to the point where it's like, this is their thing and you don't need to, to change them. Like you keep doing you, they don't even know you, um, you know, but I have to keep myself healthy first and foremost. Yeah. And step away from time to time. Yeah. Yeah. And then I show back up and I make weird videos and people were like, all right, we're back again. So, <laughs> all right, Jill, we're, we're coming more or less uh, to the end of this. Your book has been out for four months, I think. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. If I can count. <laughs> right. I was like, yeah, that's about ish. Yeah, that's probably about right. So, so in terms of book promotion, what's next for you? I have more speaking engagements coming up. I've reached out to um, my alma mater and other universities about speaking to their students, encouraging more storytelling, um, encouraging them to stand in themselves, in their identity, uh, and and you know to be proud of who they are. And so I think that's that's one area that we're going. Um, yeah, I don't know. I feel like this book is going to be the slow burn. It's not the it's not the wildfire that it comes out and everyone is like, oh, I need to grab this book. But it is making its way through communities as people read it, the reviews on Amazon, the reviews on Goodreads. It just keeps spreading like a web out there. And I love that. And I love that the content is a little bit more evergreen in that Every Pride Month, I know, is going to be a big month for me. And um, October 11th is National Coming Out Day here in the U.S. and in several other countries around the world. And so that's another time to celebrate the book and celebrate people who are taking this step to be themselves. 
but yeah, do I know? I don't know. I'll probably start sending some random Instagram DMs and see what pops up from there. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, con congratulations on everything you have achieved so far. And we appreciate that you are speaking openly about these things. Thank Where you. can people go to find out more about you? So the social media site that I'm best at updating is Instagram. And you can find me there at Jillian Abbey author. You can also find me on TikTok at Ask Queer Abbey. And my website is queerabbey.com. And through those, feel free to send me private messages. Um, if you are interested in any public speaking services, help with writing your own story, um, or you need a good knock-knock joke. <laughs> All right, Jill. Thank you so much for being on the show. It's been a pleasure. Likewise. Thank you.